Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Joining me today is mom of three, creator of Day Designer, a planner you may have heard of before, and now author of the new book, A More Beautiful Life, Whitney English. Whitney and I had somewhat of a more unplugged conversation about her new book, and we discussed authenticity, failing to meet our own standards, and being okay with it, finding space for balance, and so much more. I have to say that this is more of a unique conversation than I've had in the past. As you'll hear at the beginning of the episode, Whitney and I were both finding ourselves slightly frazzled that morning, so we just decided to go ahead and hit record to see what would come of it, and I'm really pleased with the outcome. So stay tuned for that, but before we get there, if you haven't left a rating and review on iTunes, please do so. This is the best way to help others find the Minimalist Moms podcast and to help it continue to succeed and grow. As for my minimalist resource this week, I wanted to share a book with you. It's called Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons. So this is for any of you looking to, obviously, as the title suggests, teach your child to read. This is something that I used with Charlotte, and it really worked wonders. I would say that and phonics cards really helped her thrive with reading. But I just pulled the book back out and started using it with my middle child, Martin, and so far so good. I love the simplicity. It really is just 20 minutes a day. This is not sponsored. I really love this book. I think it's from the 80s, and so I'll link it in the show notes for you. But I highly recommend this book if you're looking for, I guess, more straightforward and, again, easy way to teach your child. I will say something that I hadn't heard of when I was working with Charlotte is reading eggs. I think I'll also link that in the show notes for you. I do think between the two of these resources, you will see immense growth in your child. I will say I'm starting slightly earlier than I did with my daughter, but I don't think it really matters. I think as long as you take your time and go slow, that the lessons are really self-explanatory. And if you need to repeat one, it's easy to do so. So I can't wait to hear if anyone ends up using this. Shoot me a message if you do, because I'd love to hear about it. All right. As I said, this introduction is a little bit different than how we usually do things over here. So I hope you like this conversation with Whitney English. So Whitney, this is a little bit different than how I normally introduce my guests on the podcast, but I feel like this is just you and I right now. So I hit Mm -hmm. record and I usually ask my guests first and foremost to introduce themselves and to tell me if they consider themselves minimalist. So I'll let you do that. But I also, I will say, I don't really know what we're going to talk about today, but I'm just glad to have you here. (laughs) Yeah. I love how um, things happen like that. So I think we're both kind of like and frazzled at the moment. I feel like we're connecting and that's probably supposed to happen. My name is Whitney English. I can officially say I'm an author on May 3rd when my book comes out, uh, which has just been a really surreal. I I just don't even think it's real yet. I don't know when it will feel real, but it it doesn't, it doesn't yet. It doesn't feel like it. I don't know. Like, I think I'm supposed to feel different and I, I don't yet, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I wrote a book, uh, called a more beautiful life. And I talk about 
how to stop setting goals and start living your goals, which I can talk more about in a little bit if you're curious. And I've done a lot of entrepreneurial things. I started my first business when I was 22 and that went really fabulously until it didn't. And we shut the doors on that late 2012 and then started another business called Day Designer. It was a planner. A lot of people have heard about it because it's in Target, still is in Target, but I sold that business in 2016, which was a nice redemption story and sort of a bookend to the, the failure of the first business. And now I am, I started another business in 2019, which is also planners, but I really have a heart to share my love for systems with, with women and I like writing. I really enjoyed the writing process. So I'm going to write at least one more book and then hopefully more after that. And I feel like I'm just constantly trying to figure out how to take an idea and turn it into content like, yeah. like you do with the podcast and stuff like that. And I share that. So would I say I'm a minimalist? I, I think no one in my life would call me a minimalist. I I'm a creative and I think it's really hard to be a minimalist and be creative. I, I think that there are definitely parts of just a really like minimalist mindset that I wholeheartedly embrace, but then also just fight. I mean, I jokingly say that I come from a of quarters on both sides, (laughs) but I do, I mean, can you be a minimalist and have a gallery wall full of pictures hanging on the wall behind you? I don't know. <laughs> I have a shelf, which I was looking at the other day and I'm like, it's time to take some of these things off the shelf. But no, I, I think that's a misnomer that it has to be completely bare and sparse. I don't subscribe to that because I too am a creative and I like it simple in my home. I think maybe where I'm not a minimalist is in my personality. I feel like I'm a maximalist. Like I'm always going, my mind is going a a million miles a minute as you can probably Mm -hmm. tell. So I think that, no, I I don't practice simplicity in that ways, which maybe I should, it would be helpful on these days that I'm more frazzled to Mm-hmm. But no, I think in regards to your wall, it looks great. I love it. I can see it here on Zoom. But uh, yeah, I definitely think that with everything that you're doing in regards to creativity, so you have these planners and you like to help people goal set and stop goal setting, really. I think that's all about intentionality and simplifying what is priority, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. I do believe, I do streamline a lot. Like I fully believe in in batching. And like, I constantly am telling myself, put like things together. We, we have had a sick weekend at our house and I will show you the basket of medicine, you know? And then there was just somebody's silk hair tie sitting on the counter. And I was like, we'll put a bow on the basket. Just bringing order to things that feel chaotic. There's a satisfaction that comes from that. Sure. And I feel like even in the middle of a frazzled day, you know, I jokingly said I was rage cleaning before we got on this podcast. And I I just think that that comes from this desire to it. Is it a control freak thing or is it just a desire to, to feel productive and to feel like you've added value to your hours, to your family's life, to, Mm -hmm. you know, your purpose here on earth. And, and so I do think 
doesn't mean I'm a mental, I'm still probably not a minimalist, but Mm -hmm. I think that those of us who call ourselves control freaks, like, I think it just comes from this deep desire to Mm -hmm. add value to the lives of the people we love and the time that we spend here on this earth. Yeah. I think that if you love the things that you have and you don't feel like you have too many of them, I mean, that's when it starts to become a problem is when we have too many things that actually Mm -hmm. create anxiety and weigh us down in that way. Mm So Mm -hmm. maybe you're not to that point yet. So maybe you don't want to pursue, (laughs) but but I would say that's like, it's okay to have that gallery wall if you like everything Mm -hmm. there, but if it bothers you and you, you get pissed off every time you walk by it mm-hmm. it's time to start so I don't know I I don't want to be intense about it and I think that's why mm. people don't start because they see fill in the blank on social media or on Netflix and they're like it has to look this way and that's just, mm-hmm. get rid of the weight that you don't need that's unnecessary and then continue to like pluck away at it and just buy mm-hmm. and live with intention so mm-hmm. which again I think that that's what your book sounds like you're doing it is yeah Yeah. so great segue to talk about your book so we were and we may we may still talk about the heart framework that you talk about Mm -hmm. so this is your proven system and it's your heart method maybe Mm -hmm. just go through what does each of those letters stand for I realized after my first business failed that I was really try- I was trying to do all the things I- the world was telling me to do all the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing and nothing was was working I think I was pursuing more like the life that I thought things should look like instead of maybe this is totally going to be a therapy session for me right now instead of like the life that I have you know there's something about saying okay I'm just going to be so grateful for this moment and so content with what I have mess, sick kids, cranky husband, whatever, everything. Um, my husband's not cranky though. I mean, he's just absolutely a doll, but, um, just whatever, like the, the tension is of the moment. I think that there's something that is really transformative about flipping that. And so that's what I was doing wrong. Like I was, I was pursuing the things that I, the world said I needed to pursue instead of what I had been designed for. And the way to pursue things that you've been designed for is actually in the order of the acronym HEART. And it starts, it stands for help yourself. So it starts with your physical well-being. Um, like I should totally go take a walk around the block after I get done doing this podcast just to reset my brain. E, empower yourself, which is all about your mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being reading a book, journaling, taking time to like stop and pray or meditate. The A is for all your people. Like, what can you do? What do you need to do for them? R is your resources and responsibilities. That's the finance, the house, all that stuff. And then the last uh, letter is T for trade and talent. And when we reverse the order of that, which we so often do, and like we put our career goals first, and then we put our financial goals second, because we think they're going to support the career goals. And then we then we'll turn our attention to people. And then very last, you know, we take care of, I even think people, we take care of our bodies very often before we start to take care of our minds and our hearts and our souls. But if you're not okay on the inside, no amount of minimizing or simplifying or anything is going to solve the external problems we have. So I guess really heart is more about solving the internal and the, and just taking care, you know, self-care and soul care first. 
Definitely. And I'll just be authentic and honest with the audience listening that we were chatting before we hit record and we were like, okay, we're going to talk about this heart framework. It's going to be beneficial to women. But you said to me, you were like, but I don't really feel like I'm practicing it today. Or maybe we're both mm-hmm. not practicing it today. So I guess for someone listening, how do you encourage them on days like this? Do you feel like you arrived there? Like, do you feel like you do practice that every day? Or like, is it something that you have to like continually put at the forefront of your mind? I would say that it feels like it's a continual forefront of mind thing, which is why I put an acronym around it. And I I did realize one day that it really aligns with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And that's when everything clicked. I was like, oh my gosh, this is basic. We just aren't doing, no, not like we, we all know this. We just need to do it. And I think that there's just, there's such a temptation in like rage cleaning. It feels, it doesn't, it feels like a waste of time to go for a walk around the block when it feels like my house is crumbling down around my ears. You know, we're in the middle of construction projects and all kinds of stuff. So it just, it's almost about making the counter t- counterintuitive choice when it doesn't feel like it. But I, I do know that if I will stop and start at the top of that acronym and just work my way through it in the book, I taught, there's like, there are a series of checkpoints under each letter. So the four for H for help yourself are sleep, water, nutrition, and movement. I got enough sleep last night. I need to drink some more water today. I need to find a salad to eat for lunch and I need to go for a walk. And I can do all of that in less than an hour, you know, and it will reset my day. And so for anybody who's going to grab the book and thinking about starting on that, I think that's, if you just need a one step, like one thing to do to reset your day, I would say, go for a walk, drink a glass of water and eat a salad and maybe pray while you're walking. (laughs) Definitely. And I had someone, I'm so sad that I can't remember who it was that said it. Oh gosh, I can't think of who it was, but she said that things can be simple, not easy. So what you just Mm -hmm. said, all that stuff is simple. I am so Mm -hmm. mad at myself. I had this giant stack of pancakes this morning with this Mm -hmm. artificial syrup. I don't like maple syrup. I don't know. I know that. I know. I know that people just love their maple syrup. I love the idea of tapping a tree one day and making my own, but I uh-huh. like the Mrs. Butterworth's better. I just like it. <laughs> I just like it better. And so my pancakes were relatively healthy, but then I smothered them in this thing. And I'm like that. I didn't start off on the day after Easter on a Monday mm. on my best. No. And, and I, maybe I don't have to, I don't have to do that, but I think that I knew that I wanted to, but it was, it was not easy to do that because my, I made pancakes for my kids. So maybe that's what mm-hmm. I should. Right. I think it's all these like stupid little things that add up mm-hmm. in our week and our day. And it's like, you don't have to do these things, but it's actually a lot harder to not do the easy thing. Well, I think also we can get, and maybe this is a little bit where I've been in the past hour as well, yeah. beating myself up for the choices yeah. that, that I've made you absolutely enjoyed your stock of pancakes with your Mrs. Butterworth syrup on it, you know, and you probably had fun eating those with your kids and you made a memory. And yes, you may have to like sort of undo some of that with a walk and a salad later or whatever, but we know these things, you know, so let's not beat ourselves up about the wrong choice or the bad choice or whatever it is that we're beating ourselves up about. Let's just realize that there was good that came out of that and then move forward with like the next best next best choice, I think, Mm -hmm. but it is 
when you have somebody that needs to record a podcast and you can sit here and talk about these things, I feel like it's a lot easier for me to be authentic and vulnerable and like acknowledge that here's what I need to go do. Then sometimes it's hard to get out of our own head and Mm -hmm. it's easier to rage clean (laughs) than it is to be like, okay, stop and let's just deal with some basics. But I also think that's why I wanted to write the book and talk about heart and get that message out there is because smart goals is obviously like such a thing. Our whole society is it just like absolutely enamored with this idea of goal setting. It'll get us to where we want to go. Mm-hmm. When my experience with setting smart goals is that it, it got me in exactly the opposite, mm-hmm. you know, it, it completely backfired. So I, I think very often we'll say like, Oh, well, no, I have to, I have to go do this thing because that's what I want to do, but we neglect more important things, which I think is, I mean, that's the whole heart of minimalism too, isn't it? Yeah. Like focusing on what's most important instead of chasing after all the things that aren't. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that's why people declutter their homes is because Mm -hmm. they want to make space for the things that do matter in their life. And I think that for a simple example, if you're spending so much time of your day cleaning, I'm no judgment. I know you're cleaning right now. I'm not talking about you, but yeah. If you're finding that you're like, Oh, I don't have enough time because I have to clean and it's adding up. It's, mm-hmm. That's time that you could be at the playground with your kids or playing board mm-hmm. games, but that, that weight, you do need to clean your house. That's something that mm-hmm. does need to be done. So I think that's what kind of motivates people sometimes. Cause they're like, I want to prioritize these other things and spending time doing the stuff that I don't really want to do, but have to do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, I want to know more about the title, a more beautiful life. Was this written from the, I don't want to call them negative experiences that you that had to close your business. That was a learning experience. Maybe there are elements that were negative, but coming through that and you experienced this heart framework and mm-hmm. prioritizing these other things, is that where that title comes from? Um, I just, a couple of years ago, I, I made it, the heart had always been, it, I mean, I closed my business. I really just had this very negative attitude towards goal setting in general, but I'm still an ambitious person. I wanted to find a way to achieve the things that I was dreaming about, but without sacrificing what matters in the process. And then a, then a few years ago, before I started writing the book, I really just became enamored with this idea of beauty because there's a modern day philosopher named Gregory Wolf, and he wrote a book called Beauty, beauty Will Save the World, which the title pulls from a novel, The Idiot by Russian author Joy Stefsky. I don't know if I said that correctly. And in Joy Stefsky's, whatever, sorry for mispronunciation. Joy Stefsky? I don't know. There you go. So it's a bunch of essays, but in it, he basically outlines this thought that the ancient philosophers said, they called it, they, they said there were three values, three things that mattered above all other things in the world. And they were truth, goodness, and beauty. And truth and goodness in the ancient philosophers' minds were basically like speeching and preaching. It was the politics and religion of their day. And in, in our society, we have a lot of speeching and a lot of preaching, but there's this idea that beauty is this thing that can speak louder than speaking and preaching, if only we have the capacity and ability to hear it and to see it and to be moved by it emotionally, to be impacted with awe and just allow, and, and so not physical, not necessarily physical beauty or aesthetic beauty. I mean, I mean that, that does like 
factor into it, but you can have something that's totally ugly, you know, like a sweet dog with like one leg or I don't even know, like just something that just moves you to tears. And you're like, that's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But in order to experience that, in order to allow beauty to change us, we have to be able to emotionally withstand it. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it is the physical aesthetic thing that the world calls beautiful, but then it's also this other thing. And if we can, if we can experience that, then it is, um, it is beautiful. And we get, so he just argues that like that can change the world. Like that beauty can speak louder than all the, the speeching and preaching, um, that's in the streets. Anyway, I could talk more about that, but that's sort of where the title came from. Um, this doesn't really necessarily relate to that, but it made me think of it. I Mm -hmm. heard my pastor, he was talking about death and the sorrows that we carry until that Mm. time, we all are going to carry some sorrows, some sorrows to death. And there's, those are never going to go away. But like, I don't want to say there's beauty in that. There's not, how do do I say that? Like there's not beauty in sorrow, but I guess there's beauty to me in the fact that all of us experience that and can connect on that level. Yeah. My, one of my best friends lost her mom a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Neither my husband nor I have, have lost a parent yet. Mm-hmm. And she has talked to me about how grief and joy are so commingled mm-hmm. in life. And then a couple of years later, her son was born on the day one of their best friends passed away. And mm-hmm. I mean, just that idea of that commingling of grief and suffering. And then my mom's best friend told me once growing up, and I hate this, but mm-hmm. I think it ties in with what you're saying, mm-hmm. that we don't know. Jesus through the fellowship of his fun. We know him through the fellowship of his sufferings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we did just walk through Lent where we, you know, the, the ancient church, you know, uses as a season to, you know, symbolize Christ's life and his ministry here on this earth and then his death on the cross. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I do think there is something so beautiful. Uh, That's a redemption story, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. I think, I think you're right. That is, that is beautiful. If, if you have the capacity to, to, I guess, capacity, eternal perspective to see it and understand it that way. Yeah. Or just that like, you're not alone, but I don't know, because I haven't lost a parent yet either. And I can imagine that when that happens, I don't think that I will ever be the same. I don't think that I will ever not be sad about that. Yeah. My levels of sadness may vary, but that is something that I will carry until I'm gone because those, those people were really important and it was significant. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's going to make me cry if I keep talking about it, but I, yeah, the fact that my sister is also going to be going through that same experience. And if who I'm talking about doesn't resonate with whoever's listening, if that's your sibling or your best friend or your grandparent, Mm -hmm. whatever, fill in the blank of the person, like there's always going to be someone in our lives that can relate to that. And I think that connection and going through grief is a beautiful thing. And so that's where mm-hmm. the beauty from the negative, horrible thing comes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. I don't, the negative aspects of beauty in the book, I talk about grace and at the very end, I just, I, you know, just there, there is still so much to do on an yeah. everyday basis for all of us that are moms. Mm-hmm. As I plug my computer, computer and hear the battery's about to die. Oh, no. But there, there is, 
there's, there's so much to do and it's really easy to allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by it. But I guess if you can see that, that other side of beauty, if you can look around at the mess and say, and this is when I start apologizing, when my friends come over, I'm like, sorry about the mess. But one thing that I like to do when I go over to my friends' houses is you see the mess, but then also you see part of their life and how they love on their people too. And that's beautiful. And I wish there was more of that on social media. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say about that. Yes, I do wish more, but then sometimes I'm like, I like to see your highlights. I'd like to see your highlight. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should save that for those moments that are more authentic. Maybe that means we shouldn't be on social media as much. If we're seeing that, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, nail it right there. Yeah. I don't know, but okay. So I feel like we've given the people a lot to think about. Do you have anything else you'd like to talk about that you want to share with listeners? I just, I was looking at your Instagram before we hopped on this and there was a quote, I have to tab over to it now. Cause I just want to tie this, but I just really loved curb the shopping. I want by making a list of I needs before you shop and wants and needs are something I talk about in the book. Like there's pretty much a whole chapter on like, do the things that you need first and yeah. then there'll be room for the, I wants. So I just think that that's a good reminder for all of us. And I loved I loved that tip on your podcast and I wanted to share that with your listeners. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. That's a, that's a very helpful practice to do the Mm -hmm. one before our needs before the ones it's, it's hard Mm -hmm. to do that, but it sets you up to, I guess, live a better life if you can get to that point. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, Whitney, where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you online or grab a copy of this new book? You can buy a copy of the book anywhere. If they want to connect with me online, I'm on Instagram at Whitney English. And then our email list, because social media is just one of those things we don't know if it's ever going to, you know, how long it's going to be around or whatever, <laughs> all foreseeable future. But anyway, our email list is always a great place to stay permanently connected with us, with me. Perfect. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every guest. I am ending this podcast in my normal way. So my first question is, what is a resource that's been beneficial to you that you'd like to share with listeners? You gave me a heads up on this. And I said, Google at first, because probably, which I just feels like a lazy answer, but that's the one I use all the time. I mean, today I Googled what to do with leftover bean broth because I hate throwing things away. And then I Googled how do you polish silver the fast and easy way? I mean, so two things I've already Googled. I just, I Google everything. Sometimes I look at a list of the things I've Googled and it's comical. I know I was going to Google to see, I Googled piranha because my mm. son wanted to see what a piranha's teeth looked like. I Googled minimalist moms because everyone wants to Google themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I Googled a fair not because I wanted to have one, but I wasn't sure if it was two Fs or one, (laughs) 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 which it's two, um, for everyone. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So (laughs) I also appreciate Google. All right. My last question is what is something you can't stop talking about? Something I can't stop talking about. I don't know. I don't know if I can't stop. I I don't know if I'm going to talk about this, but I watched Bridgerton this weekend 
and it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just opulent and, and so delectable. I mean, I just loved it. It's just, it's just like a really corny, girly, feel good romance novel. It, I just loved it. It was so good. It makes me want to read more fiction. Cool. Well, I'll have to check out Bridgerton, but Whitney, thanks again for just being Thank authentic you. and uh, willing Likewise. to chat. Yeah, I appreciate it. What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.